you sound really good this morning. Hmm. You think God's blessed? That's why we come, isn't it? We come to be a blessing to God. We gather together and we bring our individual worship from the week and we bring that together. And we lift up praises to this almighty and majestic God who loved us so much that he sent his one and only son. Wow, think about that. I love it. I love meeting with you guys. Don't you love it? I, you know, I'm so glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, I wonder, have you ever had to send anybody away? You ever had to do that in your life, just send somebody away? I think, uh, you know, as I thought about that, I remember when we sent Tess away for college, you know, and, and Tess is our oldest, and so we sent her away. We, we sent her all the way to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And, uh, and we, we just, on the way home, we were crying because our life would never be the same again, you know, as we sent her away. And then two weeks later, she came up on the train to Harvard with all her friends, and we realized things weren't going to change all that much. <laughs> and then, you, you know, maybe you've sent away your, your last child to college, and then you experience the empty nest, and you thought nothing would be the same again. Then a week or so later, you're thinking nothing's going to be the same again. You know, it's in perspective, right? <laughs> but the truth is, as we send people away, it can be really hard too sometimes, can't it? You know, relationships get broken, and people get sent away. People get called to be in different parts of the world. I met with someone this week who's moving away from the area, and it's someone who I've gotten close to, and he's going to be sent away, and that's going to be really hard. Maybe someone close to you has died, and you've needed to send them away. The passage that we're looking at today is a passage that helps us understand how can we enter into this place where we're able to send people away. But it's more than that. Because you see, what it does, this passage that we'll look at, it helps us understand that as we come to the Lord as his children, that the Holy Spirit guides and leads our lives. First and foremost, we'll see in our passage that he's leading in the church but he also leads in our individual lives as well. So the title of the message today is, Lead On, Holy Spirit, as we grab hold of this power. Remember, as we step back into the book of Acts, that Jesus told them, go to Jerusalem and wait, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so they waited, and the Holy Spirit came on, and, and then he took over Jerusalem, and, and, and the church began to grow, and then the church began to spread. And in Acts 11, we saw how the church spread into Antioch. And for the first time, people were called Christians. It was there at the church in Antioch. 
And that church in Antioch began to really grow. Jerusalem sent Barnabas there, and Barnabas stepped in, and he saw what was happening, and he says, I need help teaching these people. And so he went and found Saul and brought Saul. And then Barnabas and Saul for a whole year just taught. And they taught them. And, and then they heard about a famine that was coming through Agabus the prophet. And so they sent Paul and Barnabas off to Jerusalem with an offering that had been accepted for them. And so they went on this ministry into Jerusalem, taking the gift that had been brought and giving it to the church there. And then we pick up our passage for today. Acts chapter 25, or chapter 12, verse 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, so we're stepping into this moment in time when, when Saul and Barnabas are coming back. Now, as I read the passage here, take note of the characters that, that Luke is introducing to us. Because each one of these characters, each one of the, the people, and each one of the, the groups that are involved here, are groups and people that we can relate to along the way. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their, their mission, they returned to Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them away. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. Ooh, Lord, thank you for this passage. As we look at it today, I pray that you'd help us to see how you're leading us on, Holy Spirit, how that can impact us as a church and how it can impact us individually. Clear away the clutter from our lives, will you, Lord? The, the distractions that would keep us from hearing what you have to say into our hearts and into our lives. Pray this in your name. Amen. So this particular passage, even though it's small, has a lot of people in it, doesn't it? It's got Barnabas and Saul, and we've met them before, and we've started to understand who they are, and we've started to see who they are as they continue to move and teach in the church. But now, Luke introduces us to John, who's also called Mark. Now, we've kind of been introduced to him before. Because in chapter 12, it tells us that when Peter had been arrested and he got set free, and he came and he knocked on the door of the house, you remember? And he knocked on the door of the house, and you know whose house he was knocking the door, on the door was Mark's mother. All right, so we've kind of gotten to know him, but now we're going to get to know him a little better. John, also called Mark. And we see, again, Barnabas and Saul. We see Simeon called Niger. We see Lucius, who's there from Cyrene. And we see this, this Menaean who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Isn't that interesting? What that means, most scholars believe, is that they were kind of like foster kids. They kind of grew up together as, as foster. You know that, that, that um, 
like Manan was brought into the house of Herod so that he could be brought up with Herod so he could have some people around him. It's interesting, isn't it, that these two who grew up together, Manan and Herod the Tetrarch, Herod's the one who had Christ put to death, John the Baptist. And Manan is one of the, the main teachers at that church in Antioch. What a difference. So we see those, but we also see the church in Antioch. Now, those people aren't all named and they're not all listed, but it includes everybody who was in that church in Antioch. They're part of this as well. And then we see the Holy Spirit. So each one of these has a very interesting and important role as we look at what it means to send people away, what it means to follow the Holy Spirit as he leads us on. What's particularly exciting about this particular passage of Scripture is that had this church... Had this church in Antioch not listened to the Holy Spirit, had this church in Antioch not followed this direction, we wouldn't be here. See, because if you're really astute and you follow our our graphics and everything, you see that the graphics changed. As we step into this portion of Acts, we're now coming into the place where we're going into all the world. We've been in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Now it's going into all the world. And this is how it happened as a church stopped and listened to what the Holy Spirit had to say to them and what the Holy Spirit had for them to do. And they got on board with what the Holy Spirit wanted. And it's an example for every church that has come after for how we can get involved and excited as well. In the midst of this, as we look at this passage, we get to see that there's three things that we get to do. Because there were three things that this church in in Antioch did, and they embraced those things, and in embracing those things, they were able to be used by God in a powerful way. And there were three things that I can see in here that we get to do if we're going to do what this church in Antioch did. The first thing was that we, we get to learn from the Holy Spirit. The second thing is we get to hear from the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is we get to follow the Holy Spirit. Those are the things we get to do. Now, I am deliberately put them there as we get to do these things. Because sometimes, if we're not careful, we think that when we come to know the Lord, that pretty soon these are things that we have to do. Right? They can become legalistic for us, like, like these are things that we have to do. But I want to tell you that these are things we get to do. I can remember there were many days in my life prior to that moment in time when the Lord captured my heart fully when I would say to Karen, do we really have to go to church today? All right? Anybody ever out to say that? You know, I mean, it's really nice outside today. Do we really have to go? I didn't say that to her this morning, in case you were wondering. But, you know, (laughs) but we can get to that point, right? If we're not careful. And there were a lot of days in my life I was like, do I really have to go to church? But now it's like, do I really get to go to church? I mean, you know, I, I love to come here. I love to be here. 
So these three things are things we get to do. And I think it's so important for us to see that as adopted children of God, we get to do things that the rest of the world doesn't, doesn't get to do. And so I want us to see what that is. And the reason we get to do these things is so that we can know God, know the Holy Spirit, know his leading direction so we can follow him. So the first thing, we get to learn from the Holy Spirit. And I see that in the fact that in this church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. So the fact that the church got to learn from these people and the, the prophets and teachers that, that were here, these are the ones that are listed. I'm pretty certain there were more. And these were, were men, and I believe women, as we look later, Paul will talk about that, that, that would teach what the Word of God had to say. And this was so critically important, especially at this early stage, because the rest of the New Testament had not been written yet. They're writing the New Testament as they live. And so as they do this, and as they discover, what's happening is God is speaking through these men that he has gifted, and he's speaking through them, and he's opening up the Hebrew Scriptures for them. He's revealing to them how, how Jesus can be found all throughout the Old Testament. That Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenants that have been promised. And so as we look at communion today, we see that it has its roots in Passover. That it was a promise that looked ahead. And, and so as these prophets and teachers are there, they're taking the teachings from the Old Testament and they're bringing them forth and they're seeing how, and God's revealing to them how Jesus fulfills these things. And they're beginning to talk to this church and they're beginning to tell them, this is what's happening. Jesus has come to make God known throughout the entire world. And this is how. So amazing about God. God is almighty all-powerful, majestic, holy. He's more than we could even possibly begin to imagine. When you imagine who God is, you're not even scratching the surface. Because the problem is, so many times, left to ourselves, what we do is we create God in our own image. There's a saying that says God created us in his image and we've been repaying the favor ever since. So there's this idea that we start with ourselves and then and then make God a whole lot bigger. And, and there's, some, there's some good to that, but what happens is we're starting with what is the image. And so we miss God for who he is, and what God has done is he's left us his word to reveal to us who he is, his nature, his character, his person. All that we need to know about who God is, he has revealed to us in here. We can know nothing about God other than that which he reveals to us. But he's done that. And then he's gifted people as teachers, as prophets, as, as those who can take this word and they can illuminate it for us. And so then we're able to understand what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. See, God has freely revealed to us who he is, and the spirit in us helps us to understand that. Apart from the spirit, we can't. So we're able to learn from the Holy Spirit. So my question to you is, 
What do you like to learn? What do you spend your time learning? And how do you go about doing that? How do you go about learning who God is? Because if we're going to follow God individually, as a family, as a church, if we're going to follow God, we need to know who he is. We need to know his nature. We need to know his character. We need to know how he fulfills his promises. We need to know his faithfulness. We need to know all of these things. And that's why, as much as possible here, when we teach our classes, when we preach, it's to teach the whole counsel of God so that we can know who he is. We can understand and know that God is far more than we can even begin to imagine. He is transcendent, which means he's beyond anything we can grab hold of. But he's imminent in that he's right here with us. Both of those things are true. So how do we learn from him? The second thing we see is that we get to hear from the Holy Spirit. We get to hear him. And in verse 2 it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them. So as they were worshiping and fasting, they heard the Holy Spirit, what he said. Now this can get a little, whoo, right? Okay, how many of you are like, oh, how's he going to handle this one? You know, anybody? Nobody. All right, we're good. Okay, I'll just skip to the next point. I have to tell you, I have never heard God audibly speak to me. Some people say they do. I have no reason to doubt that. Do you know we're all different? You, you get that, right? Not all of us, not all of us are, are the same. And God speaks to each one of us differently. And I've never heard, like Karen, when she talks to me, I hear an audible voice. Sometimes it's a whisper, other times not. But I, she, I hear her talk to me, right? And I hear an audible voice. But I don't hear God that way. I hear God differently than that. My dad passed away about five years ago. Sometimes I would love to still ask my dad some advice. You know, are any of you like that? Do you have someone who went ahead and you're like, boy, I'd just really love to ask him what they think or ask her, what are, what are they thinking about that? Sometimes I still like have a conversation with my dad. I understand my dad's not listening to me. My father listens to me. My heavenly father listens to me, but I get my dad's waiting. When I get up there, he'll start listening to me again. But sometimes I find myself in a conversation with my dad because my dad had a lot of good advice for me. He was a simple man, loved, and so sometimes I'll, uh, I'll say, Dad, what, would, what do you think I should do here? I never hear my dad answer me, but I know what my dad would say. Right? Because I, I, I grew up with my dad, and I, I know my dad. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Now, it's not exactly the same with the Holy Spirit, but I think it moves us in the direction of understanding. 
that the reason we, we take the time to learn from the Holy Spirit, that the reason we take the time to learn who God is, his nature, his character, his person, his direction, his revealed will, all of the things that he reveals to us, the reason that we take the time to learn all those things is so that when we talk to him, we could be pretty sure we'd understand what he'd say. You know, the truth is, at the end of the day, when I'm standing facing a decision, I pretty well know what God's got in mind. It's not so much have I heard from him, it's am I going to take those steps. See, because I've come to know who he is, I've come to seek his direction and his will and his guidance for my life. Now, it's interesting because in this passage, they say that the Holy Spirit came and spoke to them as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Now, it's interesting about fasting. Fasting, when it's mentioned in Scripture, is rarely mentioned by itself. It's almost always mentioned with something else, putting on sackcloth and fasting, fasting and praying, worshiping and fasting. It almost always is accomplished or accompanied by something else. Now, fasting, you see, can best be understood as a voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. A voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. And here it says they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Now this worshiping the Lord. When we hear that word worship through 2018 years in Williams Bay, Wisconsin, we hear something much different than they would have heard. See, what we hear a lot of times, I think when we talk about worship, we're talking about singing, aren't we? You know, most of the time we say, boy, that was really good worship. And it meant that the preaching was okay, but boy, the singing was good. Okay, and you know, but it's, it's worshiping is so much more than that. You see, worshiping is, communion is worship. The offering is worship. The singing, yes, is absolutely worship. The preaching is worship. Prayer is worship. You see, what this word is for worshiping in this passage, that word is only used three times in the New Testament. It's used here once in Romans and once in Hebrews. And in Hebrews, the word is translated not as worshiping, but it's translated in our, in our translation as performs priestly duties. So that same word from the, the word that we get liturgy from is translated as perform priestly duties. So when we think of worshiping, so many times what we think is, ooh, boy, that song really ministered to me, okay? And see, that's not necessarily worship, because if it ministered to me, you see who's, you know, see, but as we think of worship is what's ministering to God. So what this passage is talking about is, as they were ministering to the Lord, so worship is ministering to the Lord. It's, it's, it's thinking to myself, how much pleasure is the Lord deriving from my life? And it's thinking to myself, God, are you, are you blessed by this? I pray that you're blessed by the offering that we're bringing to you, whether it be the singing or the communion or the taking, whatever it is, God, we're ministering to you. You're the focus of this. So as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Now it's interesting because we don't talk very much about fasting, do we? In, in a day and age where we don't really have to sacrifice that much. I remember I was talking about the Sabbath with several times when I talk about Sabbath. 
I talk about Sabbath being a time when we cease, and what would it be like if you took a day every week and just didn't buy anything? When was the last day that you didn't buy anything, that you just ceased? Now, fasting is a little bit different. When we talk about biblical fasting, it can be applied to other things, but it's talking about abstaining from food. I wonder if you've ever done that in your life, if you've ever experienced a time when you've been led by the Holy Spirit to stop eating. And it's a powerful experience when you do this, when you seek the Lord in this way. We can get to a place where we, we make our decisions based on how we feel. But when we take it aside and set our own needs aside and our own, our own things aside, and, and fasting does that. So we stop, and maybe it'll be skipping a lunch. Maybe it'll be missing a breakfast and a lunch. Maybe it'll be an extended period of time. Jesus fasted for 40 days. I haven't been able to do that. But I have found it to be very significant to pull away and to find a time where I just stop eating for a while. I've stored up, right? We all have. It's a matter of putting myself aside and placing God in the center and saying, God, give me this day my daily bread and help it not be the the physical bread but the spiritual bread that I need from you. And I set that time aside and I minister to the Lord, I bless the Lord and I fast. Now what's going to happen is we go into this next year, there's some things we need to make decisions of as a church. And we're going to be calling you to consider coming together and fasting over these things so that we can seek the Lord's directions. But even more than that, I challenge you in your own homes to think of doing this. Do you have some decisions that you're making? Some things that you need to determine what the Lord has for you coming up? As you seek the Lord in that, could I encourage you to spend some time fasting? Now check with your doctor, make sure it's okay. I understand there's health things that not everybody can do this. But but what would it look like if as a family... You took a day, and you just said, God, what do you have for our family this year? And you just took a day, and all of you went without food, and you sought the Lord in that. Have you ever done anything like that? Is that like, you know, what do you think the Holy Spirit would say into your life? See, because we get to hear the Holy Spirit. We get to do that. The last thing we see is then once the Holy Spirit speaks, we get to follow him. And that can be the hardest part, can't it? Because a lot of times it's not so much that I don't know what to do. It's like getting that first step out to do it is where the problem comes. But what this church in in, um, Antioch shows us is that they got really excited about this. But they were careful. Do you see there in verse 3 it says... They fasted and prayed, placed their hands on them, and sent them away. So they fasted and prayed. Now, wait a minute. I thought the Holy Spirit already spoke. Why are they fasting and praying again? See, I believe that what happened here is this ministry team, these these, um, elders, these teachers and prophets came together. They heard the Holy Spirit. They brought it to the church. The church comes along and says, okay, let's fast and pray. 
you know, Cyril Barber says that the self-sufficient do not pray, they merely talk to themselves, right? And so sometimes, if you're not careful, you can enter into prayer, and the next thing you know, you've meandered down, and you've started solving all the problems for the Lord, but you left him back there. Has that ever happened to you? Where, you know, and... And pretty soon then you've got, you've got the problem solved for Jesus and then you bring it back to him and you say, here it is, I've got the solution. Could you please bless this for me? Anybody ever do that? So what happened was they heard from the Holy Spirit, but then they set aside time where they fasted and prayed because you see what prayer does is prayer brings me into God's will, brings me into alignment with what God has, and it, it causes me to pause and to talk and listen to him. And so they came and they fasted and they prayed, and yeah, this is God's plan. And so they were able to move forward and they were able to lay hands on these people and they were able to send them away. And they knew that what they were sending them away for and what they were sending them away to was exactly what the Holy Spirit had in mind. Because you know they had waited for the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came on them and the Holy Spirit became the power that led them to what he had to accomplish in the world. Because understand that that God has a plan for the church. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, and he's using our eyes to do that. And so he's sending us away. We come to know Christ, but we go to make him known. And so, in a way, each one of us is being sent out. What I love hearing from the Czech Republic is is this report that we got, just a snippet of today, that I wish you could have a lot more time with them, but, but to hear that... There's a church in Turkey, too, because we were faithful to send people away. And when we did this 20 years ago, it was completely different. When, when Mike had, had this, this idea to send people on a short-term trip, it was something fairly new for our congregation. And so those of us who got together, we were prayed over and sent away. And that was back in the day when there was no FaceTime and there was no Facebook and there weren't smartphones. There were smart people. Uh, no, sorry. Um, but when you look at it and, and you, there was no Google search and there was no, hey, I got here fine. It was like you were gone. And we were sent away. And now to hear what's happening and to hear how God's using Americans to step into and help in the most atheistic nation in the European Union. And now as Philippe and Lucy have come back, they're here to be with us, and they're sharing that it would be really helpful. We're at a point now where it would be very helpful if we could send an American to be with them year-round, to be able to be there and have an influence in the schools. So what does that look like for us? And how do we know if that's what we're supposed to be doing? Listen, what would happen if together, when the time is right, David comes to us and he says, we need to have a couple of days of fasting. We need to hear from God on this. And as a family, we need to be working on that. Ooh. And then when the time came, we'd bring people up here, we'd lay our hands on them, we'd send them away, knowing that's exactly what the Holy Spirit had for us. What if that became the way we did things here as a church? And what if it became the way you did things in your life? Maybe it already is.
So what? What's one thing I need to change to get on board with the Holy Spirit? As we look at this, we can be excited because this church in Antioch, which was on fire with the love of Jesus, and on fire with the truth of the mission that they'd been given, on fire with plugged into the Holy Spirit, and because they obeyed, we're here today, there's other churches that that we need to be helping. They're, they're, they're 40, 50 years from now, but we're going to be the ones who make the decisions that make those things possible. So how do we get on board with that? And, and what needs to change in each of our lives for that to happen? Not just for us as a church, but for you individually. As I thought about that in my life, I, you know, because when I write these questions, I, I have to ask them of myself too. That's why a lot of times they're in the first person. I thought, is it, is it because I'm, I'm apathetic? Right? Yeah. Pride? You know, am I, am I too wrapped up in today, in, in the temporary nature of the world? Am I too busy? Do I just walk by people because I'm so busy I don't have time? Is my calendar too full? Am I, what are the things that keep me from, from just saying, lead on, Holy Spirit, let's go? Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And I think for me, the thing I wrestle with is being afraid. I get into a situation, I'm just like, ugh, I get afraid. But if I understand the perfect love that's been poured into my life so that it could be poured out of my life, so it could be poured into the lives of each person that I come into contact with, that perfect love will drive out fear because I have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Amen. So what is it for you? What is it for me? What is it for us? And how do we get on board with the Holy Spirit? As we continue our study through Acts, I'm going to be continuing to lead us to stop and say, where's the Holy Spirit leading us? What's he got for us? Because there's decisions we need to make just by nature of where we live. God, thank you. Thank you for each of our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for saving us. We celebrated that with communion today. Holy Spirit, thank you for indwelling us. Thank you for giving us your power. Forgive us for the times we work in our own power. Forgive us for the times that we don't, we don't listen to you. Forgive us for the times that we don't seek your truth in your word. And God, I pray you'd continue to speak into our lives as we continue to learn. Help us to encourage one another in this that we can send people away to do that which you called for them to do. Thank you, God. We open ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.